Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast, your weekly dose of the Dairy State. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Rosari. Welcome to 2021, our first episode of the year. Uh, we have a special lineup for you today, an extra special lineup really. Uh, we are talking about the early history of one of the most recognizable brands uh, on the planet, but also, you know, that ties back to uh, the city of Milwaukee and the state of Wisconsin. That's right. We are talking about Milwaukee's own Harley <laughs> Davidson. <laughs> exactly. Uh, just so you're not confused, that was not a V-twin engine. That was Russ Sari. Uh, we also have great Wisconsin music from Devin K and The Solutions, which is awesome. Uh, as well as a very, very incredibly special interview with Lakefront Brewery. Russ Klisch. Ru- oh, man, it's huge for us. Yeah, we also have the uh, brew review and another installment of the infamous How Many Locos You At. But before we begin, we wanted to thank everyone for riding out this terrible year for us. 2020 was hell on earth from WAP to politics, <laughs> from financial strain to coronavirus. Tiger King. This year has been a dumpster fire. <laughs> It's been and, a uh, ridiculous. I have to say, you know, the, the the light that came out of this was our podcast and just being able to share a couple of brews with my best friend. So uh, cheers, Eric. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was, uh, th- you're, like you said, this was honestly kind of like that silver lining uh, on a really dark cloud. We we were able to sort of uh, muster up the, the energy uh, to use this forced free time, if you will, to uh, do something... Uh, kind of positive uh and something that's uh, uh fun for us uh, oh, and, for sure. and hopefully it's fun for all of you as well so uh um today's uh, main story again is the uh the early years of harley davidson we want to uh sort of pinpoint that as a uh as a as a highlight is that it's the early years uh we didn't get too far into the more modern stuff because this is a an, an extremely huge story you could go on for you know, probably four or five episodes beyond this one, uh, talking about Harley. So, yeah. So without further ado, here's our main story about uh, Harley Davidson. And uh, like my co-host said, um, we we can't do everything, so we're doing the early years of um, Harley Davidson, which um, features the founders William Sylvester Harley and Arthur Davidson years, all the way up until about World War One, is where we're going to kind of cut it off. And we're going to definitely keep going after that. We just wanted to make it clear, you know, this is the beginning and it's not all of Harley's history. So so born on December 29th, 1880 in Milwaukee, William Sylvester Harley to parents William Harley Sr., a railway engineer, and mother Mary Smith, who immigrated to the United States in 1860. They lived in Milwaukee's north side on Burleigh Avenue. He first worked at the Meiselbach Bike Factory at the age of 15 in 1901, thus sparking the initial idea of, what if I put an engine on this thing? Which is like the total dude thing. That's, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to throw an engine on it. What if I just made this thing motorized and, and horsepowerful? <laughs> exactly. 
He attended college at the uh, University of um, Wisconsin-Madison, receiving a degree in mechanical engineering. Mechanical engineers right here, this guy too. Yep. Um, in college, he worked at a Madison architect's firm and as a waiter for the Kappa Sigma Fraternity House. While working as an apprentice draftsman for the Barth Manufacturing Company, he would start to drop the plans for the legendary motorcycles today with his childhood friend, Arthur Davidson. Thus the name, Harley Davidson. And uh, Arthur Davidson was born on February 11th, 1881, also Milwaukee native. His father, William C. Davidson, was a Scottish immigrant arriving in the United States in 1858. His mother, Margaret Adams McFarlane, also of Scottish descent, was from the Scottish heavy area in Wisconsin, Cambridge area, which is actually the home of uh, Matt Kenseth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cambridge. Yeah. That's where he has his, yep, uh, his museum. Garages and yep. museum. Yeah. yeah. He's actually from there, which is kind of cool. They eventually both moved um, to Milwaukee, close to William Harley in the Burleigh area, making the, them close childhood friends. Here is where our legend begins. The year is 1901. A 20-year-old William S. Harley draws up plans for a small engine that could fit onto a regular pedal bicycle frame. They wanted the bike to take the hard work out of pedaling, this slogan being credited to Arthur Davidson, which... I agree, man. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I I don't know. I'm not the most physically fit human being, so throw an engine on it for me. Well, I was just gonna say too. Uh, don't we always want to make uh, uh, exercise a little easier? You know, oh, what's the toughest sure. part about running on a treadmill? Oh yeah, running. Yeah, exactly. So what can we do to make that easier? <laughs> so during the um, next two years, uh, work would begin using a smaller displacement of 7.07 cubic inches in a four-inch flywheel. Um, in the Northside shop at the home of their friend Henry Melk, the first design was worked on. In 1903, Harley and the Davidson brothers concluded the initial de design, but they did realize that they did not have sufficient power needed to go up hills without the assistance of an additional use of pedals, and they wrote off the first design as a valuable learning experiment. And like Einstein says, I mean, no mistake is a failure. You learn from your mistakes, basically. Correct. So... So we can't go on without mentioning the story of the uh, Honey Uncle story, which is a pretty well-known Harley-Davidson story. Um, as he was a key provider to the funding of the uh, Harley-Davidson initial design, Arthur Davidson's uncle was a bee farmer in the Madison area where Arthur was able to borrow $500 to get the company off the ground. The initial larger sum of seed money, which he stored in his mattress, mysteriously had gone missing after a cleaning lady visited his home. From this point on, he was commonly known as the Honey Uncle. The bee farm was sold to UW-Madison is now known as the Picnic Point in the Lakeshore Nat Natural Preserve in uh, Lake Mendota, actually, Nature Preserve. Nice. Immediately after, after they began work on an improved machine using a l much larger engine um, and a much larger flywheel going from 7.07 .07 cubic inches up to 24.74 cubic inches with a 9 and 3 quarters inch flywheel. So a lot bigger compared to that little guy that they strapped on the first time. Yeah, significantly different. They used a frame pattern that was close to the design that was used in the Flying Merkel, designed by the Milwaukee Merkel Motorcycle Company. Using the loop frame design and thus impacting all of the future designs of motorcycles, they also received help from Wisconsin's legend, Ali Evenrud, huge legend. Yeah. <laughs> the outboard motor legend here in Wisconsin. He was working on his own design for assisting with auto automobile traffic in the Milwaukee area, which provided to be crucial in the design. This, this prototype was assembled in the 10 by 15 shed in the Davidson's backyard. Most of the major parts were made elsewhere, including some of the parts being fabricated in the West Milwaukee rail shops, where his older brother, William A. Davidson, was a tool room foreman. 
All four of the original founders worked on this prototype, including William A. Davidson, Walter Davidson Sr., and of course, Arthur Davidson and William Harley. On September 8th, 1904, the design was completed. It was featured in the State Fair where a motorcycle race was held. Edward Hildebrand rode it and placed fourth in the race. Bringing much needed attention to the Harley-Davidson name, in 1905, the retail market would start and they would feature an ad in the Automotive and Cycle Trade Journal. That year, the Carl H. Lang dealer in Chicago sold three of the five bikes that were built in the backyard shed. They moved the shed to their first facility, known as the Juno Avenue plant, which is a 40 by 60 single-story wooden structure where in 1906 they produced 50 motorcycles. That's huge. 50, uh, uh, when they're doing most of that stuff by hand, really cranking right. every single piece and placing every single piece. It's that's, pretty impressive. That's a pretty good feat. In 1907, William S. Harley gra- uh, graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Madison with a degree in mechanical engineering. That year, they expanded the factory with a second floor later and facing the additions of a Milwaukee pale yellow cream brick that we all know and love in this, in this city. Yeah, cream city. With the new facility's location increased to 150 motorcycles in 1907, the company was officially incorporated that September, which is pretty cool. 150, that's a huge step up. I mean, just for a few guys working, you know, there's not a lot of employees at this time, so it's pretty awesome. They also began selling their motorcycles to police departments around this time, a market that would have been important to them ever since. And in 1907, William A. Davidson quit his job as a tool foreman for the Milwaukee Road Railroad and joined the motor company permanently. Production in 1905 and 1906 were all single-cylinder models with the 26.84 cubic inch, 440 cc's for our uh, counterparts overseas, In February 1907, they displayed a prototype model at the Chicago Automobile Show, a 45-degree V-twin engine. Very few V-twin engines were built between 1907 and 1910. These first V-twins displaced 53.68 cubic inches, 880 cc's, which is pretty large bike for even that time. That's huge. Yeah. And it produced about 7 horsepower. Um, This... This gave about double the power of the first engines, and top speed was about 60 miles per hour, or 100 kilometers an hour for our uh, counterparts overseas. Production jumped from 450 motorcycles in 1908 to 1,149 machines in 1909. That is an insane jump in that amount of time. It's pretty impressive, and they began hiring more people in the factory, too, so they could produce more. And um, they also had, like assembly stations at this time in the old factory it's right. pre- pretty neat yeah in 1911 the company introduced an improved v-twin model with a displacement of 49.48 cubic inches or 811 cc's um, and mechanically operated intake valves as opposed to the automatic intake valves used on the early v-twins that opened up by an by engine vacuum it was smaller than earlier twins but gave better performance after 1913, the majority of bikes produced by Harley were the V-twin models, which you still even see today, a lot of them. There's oh, a, yeah. There's a ton of them on the old bikes, and even the newer bikes still feature V-twins. Yeah, absolutely, they do. In 1912, Harley-Davidson introduced their patented full-float floating seat, which was suspended by a coil spring inside the seat tube. The spring tension could be adjusted to suit the rider's weight, and more than three inches of travel was available. Harley-Davidson used seats of this type until 1958. 
By 1913, the yellow brick factory had been demolished and a new five-story structure had been built on the site, which took up two blocks along Juneau Avenue and around the corner of 38th Street. Despite the competition, Harley-Davidson was already pulling ahead of Indian and dominated the motorcycle racing market after 1914. Production that year swelled to 16,284 bikes. That is an absolute astonishing number. Yeah, and it's it's just crazy that they jumped from, you know, in a matter of a few years. 1909, they were uh, like 1,149. Right, to 1914, where they have sixteen <laughs> over 16,000 machines, which is that just is huge. It's awesome. And I'm so proud to call Harley-Davidson our own brothers, you know, Wisconsin brothers. Absolutely. So. I mean, how could you not? Exactly. And so with that, we're going to conclude our first part of the Harley history up until World War One, as there's so much information out there and we didn't want to take up a three to four hour episode. So we'll be splitting this one up and please stay tuned for more um, additional segments to this story because we're definitely going to keep it going. Harley Davidson's such a legend in the state. So that's going to conclude our main story for today. All right. We have another music segment for you. Sweet. This is uh, one that I'm very excited about. Uh, Devin K and the Solutions. Uh, this group is absolutely fantastic. I love everything about their music. Their music videos are hilarious. Uh, the one in particular, the song that we're doing today, the music video for that song, Oh Glorious Nothing, is uh, an absolute cool video. Uh, I remember before they released this album, they were... Uh, they were releasing quick snip videos and stuff and, and Twitter posts and things that said, I don't know why everybody thinks we're putting out a new album. Stop it. We're not putting out a new album. And it was just kind of like this, this ruse, which was really <laughs> funny that they were just sort of denying these rumors, uh, creating probably themselves, which was really funny. I just thought that the, the humor behind it all was great. Uh, and the music really stands. I mean, it is a fantastic bit of, um, power pop, uh, pop, pop punk. punk. Yeah, yeah, it's for very sure. good. You definitely can hear that influence. Yes, I like exactly. that. I love that stuff. So, um, wanted to go ahead and say that uh, the album was mastered uh, at Stillwave Studios. Very close friends of ours, uh, yeah. Alex Mylink, Eric Atwell. Uh, those guys are an extremely talented uh, group of production uh, and and audio engineers uh, out of uh, Milwaukee. There at Stillwave. Uh, if you are looking for studio time and stuff like that, check it out. I mean, you're going to hear uh, a lot more coming from them uh, very soon, too. I know we've got a couple other artists that are currently recording there now that are awesome. producing music that we're going to release. So um, without further ado, this is Devin Kay and the Solutions, Oh Glorious Nothing. <laughs> Oh, no. 
All right, everyone. That again was Devin K and the Solutions. Oh, glorious nothing. I encourage you to check out their Bandcamp. Uh, they're on Spotify and uh, iTunes. Uh, just check them out. They're absolutely fantastic. I promise you. Uh, within the next probably two or three years, these guys are going to be like stupid huge. Uh, and that's uh, uh, a promise of mine directly. So check that out. Yeah. And with that, we have another beer review. Oh boy. Yeah. We got a uh, lakefront brewery. We're talking about the hazy rabbit today. India pale ale, which is awesome. And I believe it is a hazy IPA. It's a uh, 6.8% alcohol by volume. So uh, going to get a couple bows after drinking this bad boy. Oh yeah. This thing is definitely going to take it straight to the, straight to the chest, straight to the, uh, nips i don't know wherever so it goes when you opened it did you get that initial hit of uh, hops it's like a so hoppy i love it yeah i definitely you're right so it, it first of all like you said uh you crack this thing open with your bottle opener and immediately you get that fresh aroma of the hops and um it, it just it's very good i happen to burp right at the same time so and i had pizza <laughs> for breakfast nice that doesn't help oh, oh i'm getting a hint of pepperoni <laughs> Mm, was this brewed with Pizza Hut? Cool. <laughs> Not a sponsor, by the way. All right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Initially, like, it, it's just a very, like, it's not overly bitter, but it's like that bitter that I love. It has a bite to it. It's what I, I, yeah. I love these IPAs. Like, they have a little bit of the um, the piney taste, I think. So is, it's the, the a little hint of the piney. The one that I always talk about that is, like, way overly piney is the two-hearted. Yeah, it can um, be. I agree with but that. But this one, what I like is that it almost has that that really, really far distant pininess. Yeah. But more of that like uh, bittery citrus. A bittery citrus is what I like to call I, that. The the carbonation is like perfect in this. Like when it hits your tongue, you can just it can just kind of like you can feel a little zip. Yeah, it's not it's like you're really drinking good. a Seven Up. You know, yeah. it's, it's perfectly carbonated. Uh, perfectly balanced flavors uh hopped perfectly i agree <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it's a, good i mean it's lakefront i mean we got russ klish coming on well, later they, it's yes. lakefront they make some of the some of the best beers i've had in wisconsin as well i mean probably some of the best beers i've had ever right and i mean when i make a six-pack for other people like in other states uh the lakefront ipa is always the one i go to like yeah. that's a, a wisconsin staple you're noted as saying linalool from pearl street yeah you're you're throwing some sort of lakefront oh in for there. sure hazy rabbit's a good one but you could pick any of them you got to go fantasy factory for sure carbon, like carbon four, four you got to yeah. do that one but then there's just other who ones doesn't I like, like, who doesn't love a uh, uh, a cat riding a uh, unicorn shooting lasers and shit. That's... With guns in his hand, Mario's castle in the yeah. background. It's just a crazy... Literally the coolest art of, of any brewery in the world, Carbon 4. Um, but again, for the for the flavor, for the, um, for the absolute perfection of brewing as an art form, Lakefront hits it. Uh, for sure. And, and they nail it 100% of the time, which is... Great. I mean, maybe we don't see the, you know, the misses on the backside that are all the scientific, uh, you know, process, but what they produce and they put out on the market for everybody to drink. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. We've talked a hundred times on this show about their fantastic tour. Oh, for sure. The one thing we don't mention all the time is their absolute fantastic tap room. That's huge. You can go see the original Bernie's Chalet. That's there. what I'm saying. These guys hit a home run. I wish I with this beer. I wish I could just slide down that slide right now. But crack. Here comes Bernie. Get drunk, up. Get up. Get out of here. Gone. Dude, wouldn't that be the best job though? 
Oh, for sure. Just to and get trash had, and slide down. We've had a dozen friends that have worked there. I know. Uh, at Lake oh, man. So. Yeah, and actually, uh, shout-outs to uh, Kenny G for uh, scrubbing the tanks and giving us this delicious, clear beer, you know? Yep. The guy's awesome. Did you say scrubbing taints? <laughs> I hope he's not scrubbing taints, Ken. <laughs> if you listen to this and you're not scrubbing taints, yeah. you're scrubbing tanks. Uh, fantastic so. jobs. Uh, all of the people out there that make it possible for us to enjoy a, a, a nice lakefront beer. Uh, thank you so much for everything you do, um, because yeah. I, I could I could literally sit here and drink uh, any one of these any day of the week and and consider it my favorite beer at that moment. It's so good for sure. And I love that they do the R Turn series because actually Nate Burlington and Kenny G Nate Burlington Kenny G they've had the beers featured by these guys, which is just yeah. really cool. And actually, the artwork on here is pretty neat. It's like a rabbit that looks uh, like he had a rough night. The old Blink One Eighty Two rabbit is what I think about when I see this. Yeah, for sure. He has like a green ears, but he looks a little worn out, some bloodshot eyes. Like he had a pretty rough night. He might need some Pedialyte. He may have been drinking some of this. Oh, probably. He might need some Pedialyte just to keep keep moving for the day. Some uh, two times electrolytes. That's like, so anyone that doesn't know, grab Pedialyte if you're hungover. It's the best. I also suggest uh, sinus medication. I don't know what it is about it. Yeah, the sinus uh, medication. um, For some reason, it works. I don't know. Allergy pills, not allergy pills, but sinus pills. Um, More specifically, the, the I think it's like the Equate brand. But awesome, yeah, I'm going to have to give that a shot and try it, and uh, we just want to say, pick this one up, it's called Hazy Rabbit IPA, India Pale Ale, snag this one at your local grocery store, chug it down, have a good time on it, and uh, we're going to move on. And be safe. All right, we have another edition of How Many Locals You Are. Oh, yeah. So we this got one a is crazy one. Super cool. Oh, my God. So this one happened in 2007. Uh, Police in Wisconsin have cited a legless man and his friend on drunken driving charge, saying the amputee was at the wheel while his friend worked the pedals. (laughs) It was a third and second such arrest for the men, respectively. Police say that the amputee was sitting in the driver's seat and told officers he had too much to drink, but he argued he wasn't really driving since the other man was on the brake and accelerator. Oh, yeah, of course. Oh, that's going to work for you. <laughs> Both men were also cited for driving after their license had been revoked. My, these guys. Yeah. Um, but police say a third man in the truck who was also drunk walked himself home after the traffic stop. So good for you, dude. Yeah. The dude in the back, good for you, man. Good for you to not be a part of that whole thing. Because, yeah. you know, they could have obviously had one person steering, one person using the brake, and one person operating the accelerator. That's, oh, man. And then all three of them would have been <laughs> That would have been hilarious. But, so, yeah, this is just a crazy story. I just want to, I want to come back to the, the first part of the article. It, it states, first, it was a legless man. And his friend. Mm-hmm. And then it below that says it was a third and second such arrest for the men, respectively. Exactly. So they're That veterans. means the legless man has done this three times. And the, the other man has, a, like, this is his second. Can we just talk really quickly about <laughs> a, a guy with no legs getting his third OWI? Right. That's insane. How? I don't know. Because he found other people to operate pedals for him. Hey, John, I need I need yeah. some help. Hey, I'm, I'm about to head out, but do you think I could borrow your legs or your arms or whatever you want to do to press these guys down here? <laughs> you just stick your face down in the in the the feet area uh, where I no longer occupy, and you can just jazz the pedals around. I'll tell you what's going on up here. 
So there wasn't a lot of details on this one, so we don't know age. Um, the location, I believe, was in Appleton, where this happened. Doesn't it doesn't me. say, but it was in another article that I read with this one. Um, there's there was no um, uh, uh, alcohol. Li- li- like they didn't tell the limit yeah, no, or age or anything. Yeah, it's, no no PBT tests, no blood tests. So we don't have uh, a lot of details on this we one. We don't really know why they were pulled over either. Yeah, I don't um, know. I. <laughs> It, it, there's there's just not a lot of details on this one, but, but it's just such a the, crazy the, one. If we if we if we take this just solely based on the idea, uh, if we take the scenario that's in front of us and the idea that a legless man is out getting just trashed, let's just assume it's at a bar, uh, and h- him and his uh, uh, I guess legged buddy decide to drive home in tandem, right. I don't know. Uh, that is a loco idea, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. And in fact, I think for this one, Russ, we have to do our very first uh, two-person, two-person loco in this, but consider them one person because you so have it's to like take, you're combining. Yeah, you're exactly. using the legs of the one man. You've got to you morph got the locos into one person Oof. from two people. So we're squeezing this down into <clears throat> one. So, I mean, I know me, where I'm at. I, I know where I'm at right off the bat. Okay, I think. I think. An eight to ten loco, I'm thinking. So two, two and a half cans. What are you thinking on this one? I think, can, I think you're wrong. What are you th- What are you thinking? Because what did you say? I saw ten loco, ten to twelve loco, maybe. What do you think? So, so three you're cans, maybe two or three cans. Ten to, tw- 10 yeah, to twelve. Yeah. What loco? are you thinking? Combined. Oh. Higher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty messed up one. So I, I yeah. might have to agree with you. We'll I immediately you thought a thirty loco between the two men. Yeah. Oh my gosh! This is listen to how bringing in twenty twenty one with the big dog. Listen to how stupid the idea is. Right? You don't uh, have any true. legs. Hey, why don't you just steer? No, dude, you have legs and arms. Why don't you just drive? The legless man needs to. Yeah, he's. Is com- he also brainless? Yeah, right. Why didn't he just look at the guy and be like? <laughs> I'm not going to just steer you, you have, moron. You have all the parts we need you to drive. Have, you literally have everything we need. Why don't you just do it? Right. Oh, my gosh. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, so, and the other and guy And I goes, agree because it is a combo. It's a combo punch. For sure. So, yeah, I would have to agree with you. We're going high. 30 locos. We're man. going to 30 locos. This is our first. This first is episode high. of the year. But also our first case of a 30 loco. Because it's combined between the two men. So, yes, this, right. this is a I, high guy. We'll just call them each 15 Split it where it needs to be, but oh, I'm saying they're each a thirty loke. All right, yeah, I agree. You're probably pretty darn close because you agree the idea. Thirty loke. You 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 be the hands of the operation <laughs> and the eyes, and I'll just be the pedals. And you're an idiot. Right. Both of these guys are idiots. Hey, uh, don't be like these guys. This is 2021. You're listening to this episode uh, in January. Uh, I believe it is January 3rd when this is released. Don't be like these guys. No. I, we, we weren't Please, able to no. catch you uh, for the first of the year for New Year's, but don't be like these guys. Please, for, for the rest of 2021 and the rest of your lives, don't be like these men. All right. Today, we're here with Russ from the Lakefront Brewery. How you doing, Russ? Doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's nice to have another Russ on the show. <laughs> So we got to ask, uh, can you give us a little history and background on the uh, Lakefront Brewery? Obviously, it's one of our favorite tours. Uh, yeah, we started uh, back in the 80s. We were one of the uh, first people to come out and kind of see what was going on with craft beer. Uh, my brother, um, I bought him a, a book on how to make beer. 
and he actually read the thing, and uh, he made a batch of beer, which to me didn't look too appetizing, but I had a beer, and it wasn't bad. Figured if my brother could do this this good, you know, I could do better, so I started homebrewing, and we both homebrewed more, won um, awards at State Fair and national awards, and it kind of goes to your head and thought, well, we could open a brewery. And uh, we didn't have much money, so instead of starting a, a big brewery and getting investors, we started a, a brewery as small as possible to lose the least amount of money. And we um, then just continued to grow from there, and we're still doing that today. Awesome. Yeah, I know. It's one of our favorite beers. It actually got me into craft beer. I uh, started with the uh, Lakefront IPA, and it was uh, the first bitter beer I ever had. Yeah, that's no, a great beer. It's still one of the best sellers uh, selling IPAs in the state. So awesome. I'm happy with that one. And yeah. yeah, so besides that, is there any uh, new beers that we need to check out here at the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast? Um, well, we, we are coming out with the... Um, uh, Black Friday here soon, so that's uh, one thing. We're having a release of it with uh, some crawlers of our older um, beers that are on tap right before Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving this year. Unfortunately, because of the pandemic, we're not having the event at the brewery, but we're going to have it, uh, the beer available at liquor stores around town. Awesome. And yeah, I was going to ask you too, I know uh, things with COVID have been really weird for everybody, um, but are you guys still doing like trivia and the uh, keg stand-up? Stand-up, um, I know um, the latest one was canceled, um, but um, but we're still having the trivia, and we're still trying to do some other things around here at the brewery, but we're trying to be safe, too. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, uh, so we, we do have all our t- uh, tables distanced, and uh, uh, it's, it's a group by table, and nobody stands around, can't go to the bar, just like uh, what, what uh, you're supposed to do right about now. Yeah, exactly. It's just such a weird time for everyone. So uh, that's awesome that you're still doing some things. And we got to ask, too, I know you guys are our favorite tour, and uh, pretty much every brewery we've interviewed has suggested everyone needs to check it out. Um, is the brewery tour still going on? No, that's one thing that's kind of tough right now during these, uh, these times where uh, you have kind of close quarters with everybody, and it's hard to keep everybody within six feet of each other or strangers. So and the tour guides really are not um, that thrilled about trying to give a tour like this and try to keep everybody apart. So it's that, and also the fact that you know when we have the tours, you know where we have up to sixty people or something uh, going on. I mean, even if we have ten or twenty, all of a sudden you're almost dumping those back in the, the tour room, and then you're having everybody stand up and gather again, and you really can't can't do that. And right now, at least the less amount of seats we have in there, we're almost filling the place up with just people wanting to come in to drink beer and to dine. So it really wouldn't help us too much just to have tours. Exactly. And uh, I was going to ask, too, is the uh, beer hall still open, though, with uh, socially distanced tables? Yes. Yeah, you can still come on down, get yourself a beer, uh, check out, see what we all have on tap. We have, uh, you know, different brews we're playing with and, and brewer series beers that you can have that are tasty. So, um, uh, you know, that's that's definitely still something to, to check out. Awesome. And, yeah, are you guys still doing the uh, Signature Series? I know we had a couple friends who worked there, uh, Nate Burlington and uh, Kenny Gerberick. We went to school with them, and they're pretty good friends of ours. And uh, are you guys still doing Signature Series? 
Sure are, yeah. We still uh, finished up the Javar. We got the hop good, which is the end of lager right now. The uh, Javar actually just won a European um, beer star. No way, awesome. And, and, and so for his honey lager, the honey lager category out in, in Europe. So that was a, uh, a great uh, great win for him. And uh, uh, and so, yeah, the next one's going to be the My Turn Ryan. He's got one of the... Brewers and down the brewery, and uh, he's got a great, uh, great beer coming out. Yeah, I, I love the one, the the Kenny one, but it was like a Scotch ale, so it was a it was a little hard hitter. Yeah, well, these guys all have their favorites. When you work in a brewery, you always want to uh, brew a batch of beer. I have this idea. Yeah, yeah, you should be brewing one of these. So we give everybody their chance, and it's fun, and there's a real person behind everyone, and and uh, they work at the brewery, and it kind of um. Like, you know, shows their own personality. Yeah, it's such and, a it's uh, it's such a cool yeah. thing to do with your employees. I, I love it. It's such a neat yeah. thing. All right, so yeah. before I let you go, Russ, um, we always ask our uh, guests, um, "How Wisconsin are you?" There are about ten questions, just random things, um, just anything you'd have to deal with living in Wisconsin here. So uh, I'm going to begin. All right. So this one's a controversial one. Uh, what where do you think uh, cons- what is considered to be up north for you? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Actually, that's that's kind of my common answer. Like, uh, you know, when you right before eight there. Yeah, I know because we have relatives like in uh, Fort Wisconsin and, and uh, Lublin and Medford, and uh, and so when we always used to go up there, that'd be north and forgot what highway that is ahead to west of. So maybe it's eight from Wausau, but anything north of there, I was considered up north. Yeah, same here. And uh, have you ever tailgated at a Brewers, Packers, or a Badgers game? Um, the uh, Packers and Brewers definitely. I've been to several. I mean, uh, of those, I don't have tickets for, for Lambo, but I've been up there uh, with other many. You know, every year, you probably go out and do that at uh, Miller Park. Badgers, I, I, I've drank in State Street. Uh, cool. Before <laughs> <laughs> cool. I, I've never, I've never really done a tailgate there. Yeah, that's it's it's the one. Uh, so my buddy, uh, the co-host, he has not been to a Badgers tailgate. I've been to all three, and uh, the Packers. It's just so hard to get tickets here. I mean, it's always sold out, or you have to pay five, six hundred bucks to get there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so Summerfest. Um, did you have a favorite show or a memorable show from there? Uh, yeah, probably was back in high school, and Humble Pie was playing, and they um, took down the beer tent. They had like basically kind of like a riot there, and I remember kid guys going around. They took all the beer kegs, and I was back and they had bungs in the kegs, and people like uh, dropped them until they came off, and people were pouring beers out of the bung hole in the keg for people and running around with that. <laughs> That's so nuts. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, that, was, <laughs> that was probably one of the more memorable ones. Yeah. That's that sounds like a, a riot in itself. So, um, yeah. have you ever closed Walskis in Milwaukee? Yeah, actually, I was—I had a chance to do it once in my lifetime, but uh, I, I want to do it again. But I'm getting pretty old to last that long now. Yeah, I haven't <laughs> done it for a while, for, uh, for a while but no, I was uh, in my younger years. Uh, it was nice to go down there and uh, listen to the Ramones and, and everything else that they always had. Oh, that would have been so, an awesome show. Yeah, well, I mean, they always used to play that uh, on, on, at the at the bar, but. Um, <laughs> 
But no, those, those guys are great. It's good. That's a true Milwaukee institution there. I love working with them. Yeah, everyone has to do it if you're ever in the Milwaukee area. It's a huge, a really cool place. It's kind of like that uh, really homey bar feel. I love that place. Yeah. All right, so have you ever been to a supper club, and uh, do you have one that you recommend checking out? Um, yeah, I've been to, to, to many. Uh, which one I have to check out? Um, uh, there's one up in... Um, Rylander called Al Jens that uh, we used to go to a lot um, and uh, that day uh, a nice uh, supper club that has a true Wisconsin feel to it big pine logs that are in there yeah it's, so uh, it, it's that like dark atmosphere that like old look to it they got the uh, 70s uh-huh. like uh, oak walls in there and everything <laughs> yeah well, this one's more of an up north feel because it's kind of like a cabin kind of place but it's very well done oh neat very nice have you ever hit yeah, have you ever hit a deer no but i missed one last week on, on the humbleton capital believe it or not here wow. in town it was must have been right out the front. <laughs> i couldn't believe it man right across the street it's an, an, there's, there's a mini uh, i went to school in eau claire so I used to drive up uh, highway 10 there and, and go through and you used to find a lot of them on the road at nighttime but, uh, but never actually hit one. Yeah, so you actually saw an urban deer. You don't see those too often. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Have you ever operated a snowblower? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I got one in my garage. It's it's kind of. I do prefer to to shovel or or blowing, but uh, but yes. Yeah, it's kind of one of those questions everybody in Wisconsin's had to do that. It's just one that popped up, so I thought I would ask. Um, so a beer brat, um, is there a lakefront beer that you recommend us trying with a beer brat? Uh, Eastside Dark. Eastside Dark. That's, uh, yeah, anytime you get a maltier beer, if you don't want a bitter beer, like an IPA doesn't work, but if you get a good malty like a Bach or my Bach or, or you know, like a River West Stein where it's like a middle, middle palate beer, those work the best when you're, um, making the brats to kind of help, um, with the flavor, I think it reduces the um, uh, some of the fats in there and, and makes it uh, a little more tasty. Awesome. I'm going to give that one a shot. Um, I know it's always hard to waste a craft beer, but uh, I, I love the different flavored brats, so I'm going to give that one a shot. All right. Great. All right. Have you ever wore a cheese head? Oh, uh, gosh. I think once maybe or something like that, but I do not own one. Yeah, me no. neither. I've I've worn one, unfortunately. <laughs> Someone made fun of me right away, but I I still like them. I I would wear anything Packers. Yeah. All right, I got one more question for you before I okay. uh, let you go. Um, other than Lakefront, which obviously is like one of my favorite tours and a lot of other people's favorite tours, is there a brewery or a tap room that uh, you, you you we should probably go check out? Um, I always like the guys at Black Husky. That's always fun. That's very homey, good beer. Um, so I always appreciate uh, appreciate them. Yeah, so, uh, we just had him on the show, and uh, he was telling us about how he has the worst brewery tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a written on the side of his van, or even um, to go there. But uh, uh, but yeah, well, that that's uh, that that's Tim and Tony. So uh, they're very very great people. I was. Um, appreciate everything they do and for the craft industry and they're, they're fun and 
like you say, there's a lot of places you walk into and you just kind of all of a sudden uh, you relax and, and that's one of them. Yeah, it, it just seems like a really cool place. You can bring your dog, which is nice and everything. It's just a really laid back place and I can't wait till COVID's over because I want to get out and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's going to be a, hopefully it'll be soon. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we just all got to be careful and, and if we all became careful and uh, things will go down and things will open back up. But Russ, thank you so much for your time. It was a huge privilege to have you on. Um, it's amazing that we got you on too. I know my co-host said he had you as one of the tour guides and he was like just super happy about it and talking my ear off about it after it. Uh, yeah, well, we, we will, we'll start those back up here soon. Uh, as soon as we can, we'll make it safe for everybody to come on out. And uh, and uh, we're looking forward to believe it, uh, you know, for us, it's, it's a huge um, revenue stream and bringing people in and, and give them a taste of the city and and on. We, we want to start up as soon as we can. Awesome, Russ. Thank you so much for your time. You have a good rest of your day. All right, you too. All Take right, care. bye. All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening. And remember, as always, watch out for deer on your way home.